Wait, is this recording? Yeah. yeah, we're on. Oh, what, dude? Time, no. Time okay, this is where you, you got to start it when I have the glove on. I can't put it on like when it's. St- yeah. Okay, I'll just cut it. All right. Yeah. All right, now we're going. <laughs> What's up, everybody? You are tuned in to the episode eight of the Jada Cast podcast. I am Jordan. I'm Daryl. I'm Mike. How's everybody doing? Good, good, good. Kind of in a food coma. It's that post lunch feeling. That's right. You know what? Ever since I switched over. To, to the keto diet, that never happens to me anymore. Really? Isn't it more heavy? You know what? It's not just about the heaviness of food. It's more so about the insulin response that like happens from carbs. Yeah. And if people have like too many carbs, oh. it spikes up their insulin too high, and then you like start start to feel I see. a little sluggish. Mm. But you know, but I rarely ever have it now, which is nice. It's yeah. my problem. No, I'm not a keto <laughs> fanboy by any means, but I take in too many. Too many carbs. I love carbs. Carbs are life. Yeah. (laughs) So just a little bit of housekeeping. As the Jada Toys podcast begins to grow, we will only be able to make it grow with the support of all of you out there. So if this podcast brings brings you value, if it makes you laugh, if it makes you cry, be sure to, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Be sure to... Um, to subscribe onto our Apple, iTunes, our Spotify, everywhere that you can listen to this podcast. We're, we're trying to grow our numbers, and we can only um, achieve that through all of you. So yeah, And share. Tell, tell your friends yeah. about it if you think it's funny, if it's fun, some good information. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, one of the better ways that we can uh, uh, grow this podcast is by having other people let other people know about it. That or I'll snap you all out of existence. For those of you, you that... actually snapping that? <laughs> no. We weren't going to address this, but I'm wearing an Infinity Gauntlet. So, and, you, and there you go. It's, it's addressed. What's that? Is, is that to, uh, to celebrate the Captain Marvel trailer or something? Oh. Um, I mean, I was thinking more of like yeah, as a prop and to make you feel kind of awkward. But, you know. I feel awkward. We can. Okay, but you I should can rub his thigh. With it. I can, <laughs> keep it soothing. <laughs> I tell you on my thigh. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of Captain Marvel, has has everybody seen that trailer? I've yes. Seen it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It, it, it looks pretty. It looks pretty badass. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson with hair is kind of cool. Black don't crack, baby. He looks the exact same. <laughs> exactly. I didn't see see any CGI, right? To be honest, with you. I mean, I mean, obviously there's CGI, but you know, it's not. I mean, he's looked the exact same same to me since since the '90s. Yeah, you know. Oh, I, I believe it. I, I I am right there with you. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Um, I mean, this is kind of like Marvel's ultimate superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so and to see it kind of transition or, or how it relates back to um, Avengers Part Two. Yep, that's that'll be pretty pretty exciting to see. Or Avengers Four, if they want to call it that. Oh, Avengers Four. Yeah. In my eyes, it's Avengers Five because because well, Civil War. Well, well, that was Avengers Three. Okay, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, but mm-hmm. I'm just. I, but that's yeah, just okay. Me. I see it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, but Avengers Four technically. Yeah. Yeah. Excited to see everything kind of come together and see the second phase of it. But f- before that, obviously, the introduction to the Marvel Universe, at least the theatrical side of things with, with Captain Marvel. Pretty excited. I knew exactly what year that the movie 
is taking place in the trailer when she crashes on top of a blockbuster. <laughs> of I was course. like, oh, they're going way back. It's <laughs> great. Well, it yeah, sets, the, sets the sets, tone. Yeah, yeah, the overall tone and, and things like that for the movie. So it's good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see how badass they can make her. Because mm-hmm. uh, in the trailer, you don't get that that vibe from her. But I, you know, just knowing what the character is and how strong she is, yeah, I'm I'm curious about how they're going to you know portray that part of it. Yeah. So so from my understanding of Captain Marvel, you know, in the comic books, is she super powerful? Yes. However, in the comic book book timeline, she isn't strong enough to beat Thanos, mm-hmm. but she can give him problems. Mm-hmm. But from my understanding, in the cinematic well, universe, they want to prop her up to be, you know, yeah. this, this, this God level right, w- right. W- character. So it should be interesting what they're able to do. A thing I saw in the trailer, as far as the overall tone, kind of like I'm hoping it's like this. It kind of feels like, like it'll be a little bit more of a somber mood. Well, similar to, to the winter soldier which is the greatest Marvel movie ever. In, in my <laughs> humble opinion, that's, that's my, my favorite one. But. I, I see Brian smiling over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he agrees with me. Because, yeah, you know? Yeah, so this one, it seems like it'll be not exactly dark, but maybe a little bit more serious yeah. than, than the other ones. We'll see. I did s- laugh when when she punched that old lady, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, well, I mean, this one kind of sets the tone for almost like the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I feel right. So, are they in phase in phase four, Brian, or phase five, or what? Damn, we just stumped Brian. That never happens. I know. Damn it, Brian, but you're supposed to know everything. He's researching it right now. (laughs) No, he's not. He's on. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, so phase four, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, we've we've kind of gone through uh, a generation of of Captain America, Iron Man as kind of like the leading characters are the leading heroes right and now with the introduction of captain marvel into the entire lineup like where does she fit in and, and what happens to cap and iron man so it'll be interesting to see what that uh you know that dynamic is and where marvel mm-hmm. decides to take it mm-hmm. so, the know. only thing the only thing i'm a little pissed off about in terms of avengers 4 is that from all of the st- stuff stuff i've seen on instagram and stuff you know Captain America shaved his beard, and I was like, "Oh man, he looked daddy as he looked daddy." <laughs> I got to censor myself, I, you know. Yeah, so I've been cussing too much on this show, but uh, you know, I'm a bearded gentleman. Oh, by the way, and I got a haircut last night, and this shit is clean. This so. what is clean? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so I just want everybody to. Uh, you know, we'll take a second to appreciate that. But that's the only problem I have so far in Avengers 4 is that uh, he shaved his beard. Well, I'm not going to go into it. Uh, I have no comment on that, really. But so I, I How did I get there? I don't know. I really don't know. But I, I, I do have a question. Hmm. We're talking about this trailer. If people haven't seen the trailer, do we have to say spoiler alert? It's a, tra- <laughs> it's a trailer. Yeah. Go watch it. Go on YouTube and... Yeah. How have you not seen it? If I know, right? I know, if you're you gotta live under kind of a stuff, rock. Got to. Yeah. I mean we got we always have to see it because you know that's what we're doing. Yeah, you know, that's what we, how we make toys. It's part of our job. Yeah. Hmm. We didn't get an early look at it at all, don't but you know, yeah. we, we saw I mean, it. Oh we didn't? No. 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 
I mean, we're fans too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When when new you know there are new trailer releases and things like that. We're, yeah. Oh my God! You see that new trailer? Pull up YouTube real quick. Watch it like three or four times. Well, I mean, whenever we're always watching trailers, like that's one of the first things I do Put when I get into down. the office. Besides, uh, uh, you know, checking my emails, we go. I go in YouTube and look at all whatever is, uh, you know, new on the uh, the entertainment, you know, side of things. Mm-hmm. And like one of the things that were I thought was kind of cool was season two of uh, of American Vandal. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I still have to watch that, by the way. Yeah, well, tell them a little bit about American Vandal. American Vandal. Well, no, we can't. <laughs> I, I'd rather not get into it, but look it up yourselves. <laughs> Moving on. Next next topic. Yeah, so it's one of those things that if you know about it, then you just know about it. Yes, so exactly. The, yeah, we are a family-friendly <laughs> company here. Hmm. We make toys, okay? We make toys. Yeah. Hey, but could you imagine for, um, well, for Brie Larson, wait, is that her real name? Yeah. Okay, Brie Larson, what kind of pressure that this must be to know that, that, that they're propping you up to be the next Iron Man and Captain America, and to know that you potentially have a decade of carrying this franchise, that must be, be a lot of pressure. It's a blessing at the same time, but just to know that like you're part of the biggest, most successful film franchise ever. And your image will be what what they're will making their flagship essentially. Well, you know? let's let's break this down a bit. Are you talking about as far as character, or are you talking about as business? Both. Because uh, well, I think for business wise, um, it's more like let's see how this does, mm. and then we'll decide whether or not she's going to carry the franchise. Mm-hmm. Maybe the plan is to yes is and the hope is that she does carry the franchise mm-hmm. you know and going forward you know i guess well, i don't know what the situation is with the contracts for for um you know robert downey jr and whoever else but yeah i, I think it's more let's let's just put this out and see let's try to put out the best movie we can and see how it turns out um but as far as character wise i really don't know enough about her mm-hmm. uh but yeah i mean she she does have a lot on her hands to to if she is going to start carrying this franchise I'm sure it plays a role. Uh, I think if you're Marvel, you're kind of thinking, you know, just how they planned out their whole phase lead, leading up to Infinity War. It was like mm-hmm. a, what, like a 10-year thing? 10 years Ten of years, perfect yeah. execution. You know, so well, uh, I don't doubt that they have, the, like, multiple things in the pipeline as, as far as the next, you know, five years at the very least. But the, it seems like the direction that they're kind of taking – or at least they want to take Captain Marvel into kind of like what I alluded to earlier as co- almost like leading the next, you know, phase of the uh, the MCU. Um, seems pretty logical that they would have more things lined up for her. Uh, but for Brie Larson in particular, I mean, it's a lot of pressure, but I feel like she's a good casting for it, um, yeah. you know. And personally, I feel like she'd be able to do it. Business-wise, professionally, I think... I mean, that's that's great. It's kind of like uh, Vin Diesel with Fast and Furious. You struck a gold mine. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But it's, it's crazy because we've been working with Marvel for man, how many years now? Maybe seven, eight years, six, seven years, right. more, maybe longer, something like that. I remember back then uh, when we first started working with them, they showed us the calendar for five years down the line, and like we're at the point where where I saw their lineup of movies and what they were planning to do from way back then and they followed it to a T. So these guys know exactly what they're doing. They're 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 on top of it. They know 
they have that plan, that roadmap, and they're sticking with it. And it's and you know, look how successful it is. Man, that's it's, incredible. It is. It's pretty awesome. I would not want their job. Well, it's. It, I mean, there's probably a whole team of these guys yeah. working on this stuff and you know figuring it all out. But whoever they are, yeah, they're giving props for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing execution. And yeah. it's just a hit every single time. I mean, I was amazed when I saw the whole list. I was like, okay, Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, the, 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 and I'm like looking down the line of of all of these titles. I'm like, wow, these guys are really going to invest a lot of money in these next few years. And yeah, look what they did. I mean, they, look at how crazy this last the last Avengers movie is. I mean, everyone was in it, the whole squad. Yeah, and you know, some of them were maybe weren't. <laughs> but but some like the oh, ones they'll that, be in yeah yeah <laughs> but the ones that were I mean it wasn't like they just had little little roles too you know like quick cameos they had pretty cool parts mm-hmm. they kind of shaped a generation I yeah. feel because prior to like any superhero movies it was just kind of like your traditional like action like you know comedy whatever like our, our genres were still pretty basic and then the first time that we saw an introduction of a superhero on the big screen was kind of like, oh, you, you're bringing like this this kid out in you again, right? And for them to keep rolling these, you know, out, I, now it's just kind of one of those things where we've come to expect these things from from them, you know? It's right. it's a new entertainment value, I, I feel. Which mm-hmm. It's it's really cool to see. Well, uh, what's curious? I'm curious about though is like you know that movie. I, I don't forget. I don't know how much it cost to make. I mean, wait for which one? Infinity War. Yeah, um, I think on Wikipedia I saw it cost like four hundred mil. Now, um, remember back in the day when Waterworld came out, and that was like the most expensive movie that was ever made. Oh, I'm kind of. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to call you old. There was one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there was one point, right, Brian? I think it was Waterworld was one of the most expensive movies. Um, Let me see how much it cost. Yeah, and and. But now, with that same kind of money, they can make it all crazy back. And it's not only, uh, you know, set design and, and special effects. It's it's special effects and actors. And, and, you know, I don't know if they're getting a lot more for money or they just, I don't know how much more money this movie costs compared to Waterworld. So so for Waterworld, I typed it in. The budget for it was $175 million. Mm-hmm. And that's for a movie in the 90s. So yeah. if, so if you adjust for today's... You know, I don't even know how much that is. And how much was Infinity War? Infinity War is four hundred million. Sheesh! But Infinity War killed. Yeah. And and I guess Waterworld bombed. But you know what? It's still one of the coolest attractions at Universal Studios. <laughs> <laughs> right in the beginning of the park. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, crazy. I'm sure technology plays a hand in making the, everything possible, right? And when you're talking about the overall scope of a movie as big as Infinity War is, mm-hmm. as it's almost like the end of the ten-year plan. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of hype that feeds into you know what that movie can be, and on I think on a business level, the investment that you put into it mm-hmm. um, makes a lot more sense that way. Yeah, when when yeah. you hype it up to a certain extent, and you know that for sure. You've conditioned this fan base over the course of 10 years to expect something grand. Grand. Right? There Mm -hmm. you go. And they never go backwards. You know, it's very hard for once you're at the very top to not fall off, you know, but Mm -hmm. they just keep going up and up and up. And 
man, a 10-year plan, I don't even know, well, hear what I'm going to do in 10 minutes right now on this podcast. You know? <laughs> I got right. this computer open, but there's nothing on. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, though. I, I can't believe how, how well organized and how well thought out their path was in their planning for everything. It's, it's crazy. And then especially because, because they don't have, have access to every character that is actually involved in these stories. Well, they so, have you know, to adjust too because yeah. things keep changing. You know, yeah. the, the, who, who owns what property changes all the time and they're still you know, having to fight those battles as they come along. Yeah. I mean, because, because if you want to be, be a purist you know, in Infinity War, in the comic books, you know, the X-Men and the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. are a big, crucial part yeah. in the Infinity War. And in the movie, well, they were able to pull it off, and I was well more than satisfied. Yeah, so really, it's really incredible. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, hmm. that's crazy. Yeah, well, well, well. Since we're still on the topic of, of superheroes, um, has everybody heard heard about on the DC side? Mm-mm. Oh, I know where you're going. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, apparently, Henry Cavill, mm-hmm. Superman. Yeah. potentially might not be Superman anymore. And they might replace him with Michael B. Jordan. What? Yeah, Michael really? B. Killmonger. <laughs> Killmonger is Superman. Wait, is that, is that a, like a confirmed or is that just rumor? Or? It, it's, well, I think so it's far, just it's been, a rumor, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just being talked about right now. Nothing nothing is confirmed, but I don't mind it. Hmm. I, don't, I, I don't think I mind it at all. I don't mind it because because, you know, because... There actually is a black Superman um, in a Earth Two, mm, mm-hmm. and then also well, Michael B. Jordan. He's awesome. Yeah. But it's just you know Henry Cavill. If we're talking about Earth One Superman, yeah. He it's almost as if he was born <laughs> to play that role. He mm-hmm. just has has the facial structure, right. the hair, the uh, like the frame, everything about him just screams Superman. Mm-hmm. And you know I really love that guy. He's a good, yeah. I mean, he's kind of like, in my opinion, the ideal Superman for everything that you just gave off. Um, I suppose at the end of the day, I don't really mind it either. I just, I, I don't understand why. Maybe I didn't read to, or I didn't read enough of, of the backstory of, of what went down. But I just, I, f- I, I maybe on one on one hand, this is a good thing. I think DC kind of needs a shake up in the in that universe to kind of get them you know maybe put on a better track as far as the theatrical things are concerned i mean i'm a fan of dc definitely uh, you know definitely. and you they definitely have a different vibe um when compared to marvel movies but um with you know how justice league performed which was supposed to be their version of uh, avengers or something you know um i don't know it'll be interesting if it was Michael B. Jordan, though, I wouldn't be mad at it. I no, love him. Yeah, he's, he's, he's great. Yeah. Wow. So uh, lots of superhero talk. So, so we have been talking a little bit, and we kind of want to get back, back a little bit more on the uh, product side. And so, and, and so, so for you, Mike, um, I, and so, but you had told me that some of the things that your team does is that you guys will, will include well, some Easter eggs on right. the actual cars that you guys make. Yeah. And so, well, could you elaborate on that? So, uh, 
when we design cars, uh, you know, we're not designing the actual shape of the cars for the most part. Sometimes we are when we do body kits, when we do, you know, the the drop, you know, the the look. But the other part of it is designing the graphics that go on the car. And because the graphics are more our interpretation of whatever we want to put on here, uh, we can be a little more creative, have a little more freedom with it. And, uh, you know, sometimes we have a little bit of fun with it. Like, for example, in our uh, post-apocalyptic uh, die-cast line, even the RCs that we had, uh, they were like a Mad Max-style vehicle. You know, they had guns and armor, and but they were still lowered with big, cool rims. Uh, they, they looked awesome. I think they were, it was a really cool line that we worked with um, Harold Belker to design some of the vehicles. Some of the and Harold Becker, Belker, if you don't know the name, he designed a couple of the Batmobiles. Mm. Uh, he designed a lot of different movie vehicles, and um, that's who we worked with to make some of these post-apocalyptic cars. But anyways, a couple of them were like there was a taxi, there was a police car, and we were able to do some fun things that uh, I don't know if very many people noticed. So one of the examples is on the taxi um instead of uh you know like just a regular lights plate i put quite a wish taxi every uh, time. so there's a there's a taxi in a 164 scale die cast that we made mm-hmm. in battle machines okay okay um did i mention battle i mentioned, I mentioned battle machines right I you, think you that just did a post-apocalyptic yeah yeah, yeah. So, like, so the line is called battle machines okay we did and battle machines is an rc line that has that incorporates laser tag with it uh it was out probably like seven years ago or so right now um, and then we also had a die cast line which had 124, 164, and 132 scales. In the 164 uh, scale taxi version, we had a little taxi. It had a machine gun on the top. It was uh, armored. All the windows were armor, and it just you know it, it was a really cool looking little taxi. Um, and in, in the the license plate, I put T one or T B one C K L three. And it was uh, uh, paying homage to Taxi Driver, the movie Taxi Driver. And the character's name was Travis Bickle. Hmm. So if you don't know that movie, who was it? Um, yeah, Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver. Yeah. And his character name was uh, Travis Bickle. So that was uh, one of the Easter eggs we threw in there just for fun. Um, and then like little things like uh, uh, instead of like, uh, you know, taxis say toll paid on, uh, upon arrival or something. Uh-huh. We put toll paid on impact because it's all about hitting and mm-hmm. mashing and it's crashing. Cool. Uh, you know, stuff like that is pretty fun. Yeah. Yep. So there's a lot of little things like that. And then also we have like our our designers here put together little logos or we put little themed vehicles together uh, to, you know, just to, to kind of shout out the people that work here. Hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're, and you know, one of the, if you want more examples, um, Back when we had our collector club line, mm-hmm. uh, we did a of uh, a GTO. Was it a GTO? Oh no, it was a it was a judge. Um, I forgot what it was, but it was a uh, one of the uh, the salespeople that worked here. She was a barbecue judge at barbecue one point. Judge? Yeah, she would. She would. Sweet. Yeah, she would. She would Let's talk about judge goals. barbecue contest. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she would. Uh, and her name was Jessica. And we did the graphic on the car on a. On a um, on a GTO, uh, and it said uh, Jess Jess's uh, barbecue or something like that, and because it was a, the car was a judge, that's kind of ties into what she did in the past. I see, interesting. Yeah, huh. it's pretty fun. I mean, and they're, we're still doing it today. So if you find some, uh, I, you know, we'd like to see if you guys know what it is. I mean, post it up, show it, and see if you guys can figure it out. Yeah, well, maybe 
they can make a contest for that or something. Yeah, that'd you know, be cool. If, yeah, like if somebody out there is able to find every single Easter egg, <laughs> every single, every single thing within our library, mm-hmm. we'll, uh, well, we'll do something. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's got to be every because we have a lot of offerings. I know. One, I want to see how loyal that they are. <laughs> I know one in particular um, is in the JDM Tuners line. Yeah. Um, one of the more recent ones. Yeah. Something that just released recently, like now. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I don't know, like as as far as the release date goes, but I think to hint, uh, you want to give them what scale? Sixty-four. Yeah, Is that the one you're that's talking the about? one I'm t- thinking mm-hmm. about. Okay, so there's yeah. a uh, there's a new vehicle that just released in the JDM Tuners line in the one sixty-four scale that has an Easter egg to it. Um, kind of, I, I don't know if you, if you're able to find it, um, tag us in it, you know, and and shoot us a DM at Jada Toys on. Instagram, send us a message on Facebook, and uh, if you're able to find it, if it's correct, we'll acknowledge it. Maybe we'll send you something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds pretty fun. Hey, so which one? I mean, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll show, show you, you off air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I don't even know, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton. I mean, as 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 long as I've been designing the vehicles, and I've been doing it. I mean, I've been here for 13 years, mm-hmm. and I've seen so many Easter eggs come and go. There's it's and it's uh you know it's it's one of the fun little things that that if you pay attention to them it's just oh that's kind of cool yeah you know it's oh that's pretty sweet that's cool you know it's those little things that you find that in the detail that uh you know just gives the car the car then the vehicle more character. So is there like ever any pushback from from the licensors when oh yeah when, when you do that but sometimes there are yeah sometimes they really scrutinize our our designs and look at it closely and say oh what's this. And then we try to explain and like, oh, can you take it out? Hmm. And then we do. But a lot of times they don't. I see. I mean, a lot of times also we want to put stickers on or like de- like company logos. And we can't because uh, either we don't have the license to use it or we don't have the agreement with those companies, those aftermarket companies to be able to use their logo. So we come up with our own. And uh, um, there's some uh, uh, made up logos. And I mean, sure, you, you know, in the past you guys seen them, uh, you know, there's there's so many different logos that were on there that were just really the names of our, our designers. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over here thinking that every single logo on here is an actual aftermarket no, company. No, no. Sometimes it's just, yeah, it's just like like uh, an aftermarket company. Or it's it just made to look like an aftermarket company. We designed the logos to make it look like as if, uh, you know, some someone some guy named Rocha owns a, a motorsport company. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are so creative. I wish I had all that in me. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it's pretty fun. Yeah, well, speaking of of this whole process of creating product, of this whole process of of essentially trying to get our vision across, you know, for you two, for you two as leaders, how do you guys manage and communicate your vision to more creative people versus to more of the opposite spectrum of that of maybe you know a logical well, numbers-based person, you know, well, because I know that that you have to to say things to them a certain way for them to get what you're saying, but you can't apply that same that same train of thought to somebody else mm-hmm. who might have a different type type of learning style or type of creativity style. So, for you guys, um, how do you well well how do you achieve that exactly? It's kind of a loaded question, I know. Yeah, well, but, especially uh, with Daryl, with the guys he's managing are in this room. Oh, <laughs> that's it. Uh, oh, well, I mean, like... Uh, Leadership questions. 
I think uh, a lot. There's a lot of talk in today's world. I think when you're talking about like fundamental qualities of leadership, right? Um, but I think for me, what I found to be most effective is is just to be human. I think to be able to understand that when you walk into this building, when you walk into your workplace, you have to put on a different hat um, because you are now the example. Um, you know, you're not allowed to have days where uh, you show emotion on your face if, if things um, really get to you. The unfortunate truth is you you you're, you can't really show that because it then trickles down to your immediate team, and if your immediate team senses that, then it kind of throws off the entire balance for the day. Um, so that's one of the challenges. But going back to your original question of you know creative and and more uh, you know logical thinking, I think these people. These groups of people process things differently, yeah. and I think being in the toy industry and being around all these creative people in this building, you kind of learn through interaction, through natural interaction, how these people are. So if you walk around the building and you talk to our creative people, the energy is always very upbeat. It's very chill. We like we all like to have fun, um, and when we're in our meetings, there's constant flow of jokes and and things like that the second things get very very serious you can almost feel that it's a little bit uncomfortable um and yeah, you, it's kind of like a, being a teacher not yeah. every student learns the same way so exactly. you have to learn each student and and figure out what the best way to teach them mm -hmm. um you know because if you are just going to teach everyone the same way not everyone's going to absorb that information or that you're trying to give a, a, in, in an efficient manner you know, some kids need to write it down a hundred times. Some people need to say it out loud. Some people need to practice it. Uh, you know, you have to just pay attention to who your audience is and make sure you know each one and how to reach each one. And I think being around them, you also understand that these quote unquote logical people, um, most of them have tend to have a little bit more of a thick skin to them because they're just all about the end result um, and they go about their processes very differently. Therefore, whatever criticism is just kind of like part of their everyday and they just take that, okay, whatever, and, and go. Um, but I think when you're talking about dealing with creative people, that they create based off of emotion, whatever they're feeling, and um, that translates into the work. And so if you're to give any sort of constructive feedback to them, phrasing your feedback is very important. Um, to say, you know, I'm not, I don't really like this. I'm not really feeling it. Um, it creative people tend to be a little bit more sensitive. Not that mm -hmm. it's a bad thing. It's just it ties back into how they come up with concepts and, and, and things like that. You know? Um, yeah, the biggest challenge I have is giving criticism to someone's artwork but making them still feel that it's that I'm not scolding them mm -hmm. you know you have to say to, you know let them know that what they're doing isn't a bad thing it's just why and you have to give them a reason why because if you just say exactly. oh it's not, it's ugly uh you know you should do it like this you're not really helping them learn why 
uh, things should be a certain way. Yes. You got to give them a reason why and then help them to understand. And then you'll get better results out of them because at least they know what you're thinking, why, why you want it in a, in a certain way. And, and, you know, you, and as artists, you want to give them that freedom to be able to create that, uh, from their own imagination, from what they're feeling and go from there. Because, you know, when they're putting their, their whole heart into this work and you just trash on it is, could be devastating to these yeah. people, you know, it's so you, cause they are, they, they are sensitive mm-hmm. and every time they, you know, they create something, it's, it's a personal thing to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, to go along with Mike's points with reasoning, I think to be able to offer a creative direction when you're talking about your team, your immediate team, or just the team around you, um, you're around each other every single day. Therefore, you guys are going to rub off on, on each other and you're going to learn each other's tendencies and how you work. Um, take, for example, the marketing team. You know, I think a I think knuckleheads. <laughs> Those damn marketing people know nothing. Hey, wait, I'm on the marketing team. <laughs> no, I, but I, I think, you know, I, I, as a leader, you establish a culture, you establish a vibe within the team. Therefore, whatever expectations that you have of the team, everybody gets that. And I'm all for having fun. I'm all for a good time. You mm-hmm. guys see that, you know, but I think at the end of the day, if you're able to communicate that, hey, this is very organic, it's very free-flowing, um, so long as things get done and, and kind of move along, right? Um, and to kind of add again to, to Mike's point with setting the creative direction of things, I think over time, because we're around each other so long, um, we start to understand how we all work, we understand what we expect. Therefore, if I can just say, hey, I'm looking for something like this with these elements to it, go do what you do. Mm -hmm. That's a creative direction, but you're still allowing the designer to use their head, Mm -hmm. kind of put their emotions and to create something unique along you know this this little path that you've kind of given them as opposed to no nah, i don't like it can you do something else yeah, yeah. you know yeah. what i mean yeah. It, it, so what are they supposed to go off of that yeah that? yeah and then, yeah. and going even further back though like op- uh, more of a wide view of it um you can go ahead and and uh and give direction but the the main thing is to be able to give your the people that work under you uh the make them want to work with you yeah. and for you because mm-hmm. if they don't like you you're not going to get the best out of them you know uh they, they you and also the morale of the department will just go down if they don't like working with you if they constantly come in and you're like oh man he's going to scold me for this or do you know it's it's not a, an environment i would want to work in so right. you know you you have to make them feel comfortable and make them happy at what they're doing so then and also teach them at the same time because you know we're as managers are here for a reason because we either have the 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 experience or you know there's just something we've done that that we that we just know the company and you have to teach them you know i don't i don't i'm not going to try to hold the, them back from growing mm-hmm. i want them to grow as as much as as i'm i've grown in the past few years you know it's only like it's like paying paying it forward yes you know? i think that's the fundamental thing with um that i can say at least that Mike and I share mm-hmm. um, in that when we think about, you know, the team, um, you know, that we that we manage, 
there's no hidden agenda, I feel, with us. Um, we try to make things as black and white as possible. And this is, again, only speaking to our leadership style of what we've found to work for us within this company culture at Jada. Um, but I think it's very important to outline to the team that, yes, at the end of the day, our goal is to give you the opportunity to grow as individuals. So therefore, I'm not going to feel like I am worried about my position because it can one day be threatened. I don't have that mentality. I feel that if I'm more of the mentality. Yeah. I'm more of the mentality of if you can do my job and you can do it better than me, then you deserve that job. Um, but until then, you know, I, I feel that I have a, a due diligence to to the team to at least show them the ropes of everything that I've seen, everything that I've accumulated as far as knowledge and, and expertise, experience throughout my years. Um, and again, to, it's kind of what Mike said too, it's just, you pay it forward. And I think when your team senses that, when your team feels that, um, then the whole open door policy, it's always gonna be comfortable mm -hmm. because you know that you know, we'll go to war for each other. We got each other's backs. Yeah. That's I, the I, culture that you want to create. I've been at, at, at jobs where, you know, I, I do something for like an ad, but I'm worried to show it to my manager because I just know that they're going to say something about it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's never anything I can do perfect the first time around, right? Um, and you, you know, you know, you're going to get the criticism, but you don't. Some, there's some managers that you don't want to get criticism from because of the way they they criticize you. Yeah. But if you can, if the manager can do it in a way where you're comfortable showing it to you to them, and you feel like, okay, I'm ready to show it. You know, he's going to give me feedback, but it's good feedback. Right. Yeah. You. You. It's even though you know, if you go in there feeling, oh man, he's going to give me feedback. That's not the kind of uh, you know designer you want to bring up underneath you. You want to get someone who comes up and says, you know, hey, here, here's, here's what do you, what do you think? They're happy to show it to you. Yeah, and that's what you want. I think that just uh, you know helps to make a better product in the end. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a process there. I think there's a, a there's a positive exchange or positive flow of, of feedback communication to get you know whatever it is the project to where it needs to be, but what goes unnoticed in that process, I think, is the learning experience that um, you're getting, I think, from each other, you know, because every day is a work for, is work for, you know, the manager, every day is work for, you know, the designer or the creative person, I think. It just adds to the overall experience, I feel, adds to the relationship, adds to the dynamic, the overall morale, I think, uh, of the entire, the entire department, the entire company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I mean, those are just some of the things that we've found over the years just to just to work for us. And we're continuing to grow. Right. Not to say by any means that, you know, we're we're perfect. We we we're human, we make mistakes and we all have our days. Um but the most important thing is that you continue to strive to grow. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and but you know, even though we have a team that we manage, there's also people above us. Right. And you know, for sometimes you have to realize that they don't have the same kind of mentoring uh, uh, the theories that you have. You know, the, how they treat the people underneath them. Mm -hmm. So that's when you have to manage upward. Yeah. You have to be able to learn how to deal with those people who are above you, 
because they're different from the people below you, but you have to, you know, to, like deal with everyone individually. You can't deal with everyone the same way because, you know, it's just, that's the real world is nobody is the same. Yeah. Not everyone's going to understand your logic. I think, I think, um, you know, when you're talking about logical people versus creative people, environment is also very important. Hence, yeah, our pod pad, you right. know, um, not only used as a designated area for filming, but the goal is to have this room just be like a lounge room, a chill room where, where people can kind of come unwind, still work, work in a more work in an environment that creates a little less pressure to mm -hmm. kind of alleviate a little bit of that feeling. But when you're talking about logical people, um, be it in the finance, you know, work or world or even sales, you know, because they have their own different mindset. They're not necessarily thinking in terms of creative. It's easy to kind of look over at a certain department and be like, all they do is have fun. Mm -hmm. But what they don't realize is this is essential to what we do, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of the day, ultimately, that's how Mike and I choose to run our teams. Yes. We don't tell you how to run your team. Yeah. Don't tell me how to run my team. Yeah. And so long as we don't have that, you don't cross that line, it's cool. Yeah. Right? But that same message goes down you know, the same at the end of the day. You can have your fun, but are you getting work done? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's not, you know, I'll play, no, no work, I'll play type of thing. Uh, you, gotta ha you have to find a balance there. Yeah. You have to be able to manage your time effectively. Um, and if you're able to do that, then it's, it's all good. It's a decentralized command. I really like yeah. that. And, you know, like, but then as the, reg you know, the employees, as employees, we have to, you know, we do our work, right? And, and as creatives, we f also feel that we need to decompress every once in a while, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so when I have uh, some of the designers that, that, are, that are under in my department, you know, if I'm, I go over there, talk to them, make sure they're cool, that everyone's good, everyone's, you know, not like feeling too stressed out. If I do, if they are, I'm redistributing the, the workloads. Um, if, uh, if they're in a zone, I can, and, I, and you know, there's times when you're in a zone and you're working and you're like, you, you, you got this, you, you're designing something, and I see that they're in that zone. I kind of back away and don't don't bug them because you know getting out of that zone sometimes it takes they're in that a flow. while. Yeah, they, they're in that flow. You don't want to bug them. Um, but after that, if they're you know if they're done with all their stuff and they need to like unwind and you know they can come into this room, lounge a little bit, you know have a cup glass of water, a tea, coffee, whatever. You know that's fine with me because I know creatives need that little break to help them because you know continue to have that creative flow throughout throughout the day. Yes some of the differences in yeah. creatives and, and log it's a, and logical people. I think yeah. it's, it's definitely more complex. And I think upon, if you're not exposed to that, it sound, it can sound a little bit weird. Um, but I think it ultimately goes back to, I think being human, right? Well, a I, tremendous I think amount it, of empathy. I think it, it yes. goes back to, you know, the kind of people they are, the people, the creative people are more abstract, right? They don't have, you know, they don't really work on a timeline. But more logical people, or people who are in the corporate part of it, where, where you know they're crunching numbers, X's and O's. They know and there's come a in bottom at, line. Come in at nine o'clock. Yeah, you got your lunch at twelve. You come back at one. You you know you work until till six. You know that's that's their schedule. They keep with that. They know that. But creatives, because everything is around them, is feels so organic because there's something always happening, something changing. They have to 
you know, there is no real schedule. You know, if they're if they're in the zone and it's already twelve o'clock and they're still pounding away at, at doing something, let them take the, the their lunch an hour later if they're done an hour later. Yeah. Because you don't want to break that stride. You don't want to break that that concentration because if they're in that zone, they're in this creative like space that you know, and they and they're they're pounding it out. You know, don't interrupt. Let them do it. And uh, you know, but with the, with the more logical people, they can you know they they get to a point. Shut down their computer, do their their lunch, come back, and you're you're back at it. Hmm. So. Yeah, and I feel like the managers or leaders of the creative people are able to effectively bridge both. Yes, mm-hmm. you know you understand that there's a bottom line. You and you have to understand the reasoning behind everything that you're doing um, for the overall good of of the company. Um, but at the same time, because you're able to recognize that there's a pressure on you to be able to run your team effectively the way it needs to be run, but understanding everything that Mike and I just described. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, But again, you know, so much of it is, as I think, your mental state of mind. Because not everyone can, uh, not everyone has good people skills. (laughs) A lot of people are are just, you know, they have one set tone of voice talking to everybody, and that rubs people the wrong way. but if you go around, for the most part, people down here, there's a certain way that I talk to Mike. There's a certain way that I talk to you. And there's a certain way that I talk to everybody here. But that's because I've spent time to get to know each and every single one of you to understand what, how you guys are, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the way that your personality and, and just human nature, your characteristics are. And that's the way that I communicate with you guys. Now, do you think that that quality that you both have that some of it is kind of this natural born thing that you guys have because because a lot of people they don't know know how to talk to people and it doesn't even um, occur to them like hey well maybe I should change up my tone of voice to this guy based off of the the emotional signals he's he's displaying as mm-hmm. of well right now like some people it just goes completely over their heads you know so like is there like kind of an environmental thing that causes this or some type of like you know a natural born thing you know like some people are just have like more more empathy than other people while like other people are less compassionate you know i think it's uh, a a born thing Uh, i mean it might be learned maybe like when you're really really young age uh it might be learned early on but you know we don't know what triggers it but like if you look at kids toddlers like some kids are really social some can kids can go up and that's you know something that they had on their own already yeah some some kids are standoffish you know some will will just stay in the corner and do their own thing uh i but i think that trait continues on into you know your the the later as you get older Hmm. and um you know i like like other people there's a lot of people i know who are still at to this day you know they'll be easy to talk to and then all of a sudden they'll just kind of migrate to a corner and just stay away from everyone else uh it's i think it is a a, a personality trait that you're born with i think that's my opinion Mm -hmm. i agree to an extent um yes i I feel like people are born with certain traits and, and 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 qualities to them but i also feel again and this is just my opinion i feel that a lot of it can be learned based on the environment and people that you're exposed to. You hear the phrase all the time, you, like you are who you surround yourself with, you're a product of mm-hmm. your environment, all that stuff. I find that very 
accurate. Yes. Um, if you choose to surround yourself with people, especially as you get older, that are into a certain lifestyle of like partying and, and going out all the time and, and things like that's eventually what you become. And whatever ambitions and dreams that you have go out the window because you're not able to separate yourself from that. If you were truly something, if that was something that you wanted, you would separate yourself from that and start aligning yourself with people that actually are succeeding um, and, and doing what they what they want to do. But by naturally aligning yourself with that, with those kinds of people, those kinds of people naturally make you start becoming aware or conscious of these these characteristics, these traits, because you're now learning from them, whether you're aware of it or not. Eventually, I believe that you'll get to a place where these things become very top of mind. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm a proponent of hard work, not making excuses. If you really, really wanted something, you truly wanted it 100%, you can make it happen, whether you were born with it or not. Um, so I, I do agree to an extent that it is something that you know you you have or more people have it than others but the ones that have less of it are still able to learn a good amount of it and apply it damn no. <laughs> knowledge well that was pretty solid and you know what i can't think of a better way to end an episode so uh, yeah. I have no idea why I'm buttoning up my shirt right now <laughs> anyways so um, so guys if you enjoyed this episode of of the podcast be sure to to like and subscribe share it with a friend tell everybody about it and um, we'll come back for next week because we have plenty more um, some events that we have coming up, we will be be at SEMA in Las Vegas this year at the end of October. the end of October, October early yeah. into November. Um, so we'll have have some really cool stuff there, and um, be sure to uh, tune in for next week. So I'm Jordan. I'm Daryl. Mike, and we will see you later. <laughs>